All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Dropping the gloves with Tim and John. We're back on a nice Monday, March 14th. Tim, how was your weekend? Get up to anything fun? I had, I had a great weekend. I went, uh, I climbed a mountain yesterday. I went hiking, um, kind of on a whim. A lot of fun. It wasn't like a crazy huge mountain, maybe about, I don't know, hour 15 up, um, 45 minutes down. Really nice view of the area. Um, a lot of people. It was cool. What's the mountain's name called? It's called Crowder Mountain. So there's two mountains like side by side, Kings Mountain and Crowder Mountain, kind of where North Carolina and South Carolina meet. Um, it was a lot of fun. There was uh, a lot of people. There was this one woman, though. Um, she was like probably 60, mid 50s to 60, very unhealthy looking, had a cane and was like struggling with every step. I would have had a hard time watching her walk down the hall. And she was just like one step at a time up the way up the mountain. And I like offered her water. She's like, no, I got some. And, um, and, and I was up the top for like a half hour, came back down. She's maybe a hundred yards further. And I'm like, how is she going to get to the top? Cause it gets harder the closer you get to the top. Right. And then I think she had no idea what she was in for. And then how is she going to get back down? She's going to be, it's going to take her all day to do this thing. I felt bad for her on the way back down. I passed her again. I was like, keep it up. You're doing great. And she like looked at me, no smile. She was so unhappy. I don't know. I don't know. I hope she, she could still be up there right now. Was she I don't with know. somebody? No, no. But like there was enough people coming and going back and forth. Like I saw someone else talking to her and telling her how close she was and whatever. So like if anything had happened, there were plenty of people around, but I felt bad. I don't know what she was thinking. Who knows? There must have been something behind him. That's poor gal. Thanks for starting the show off on a high note, Tim. That's awesome. <laughs> it was a good weekend. How was yours? <laughs> it was fine. Not, it's not as uh, entertaining or exciting as yours, but you know who had a good weekend? Friend of the show, Joe Pavelski. I've been texting back and forth with Joe, calling him here and there. He's a friend of mine, but uh, he signed a new ticket in Dallas. You know, there was some inkling, some talks that maybe Joe was going to resign rather than test the open market or even be traded this um, trade deadline. He's a big piece. He would have been a really valuable a piece for a team that needed a, a scoring winger, a veteran presence. 
he took himself off the market. He re-signed with Dallas one year, $5.5 million extension. A little strange, don't you think? He's 37 years old. He's obviously playoff tested. He's played a million games in the playoffs with the San Jose Sharks. This is his 18th season. He's made the playoffs 16 of 18 years. So he's he's very used to making the playoffs and pro- producing. We saw what he did in the Dallas run a couple of years ago. He pretty much single-handedly wheeled that team in every single elimination game or pressure game. He was the guy who came through him and Corey Perry. So I, I saw this signing. I was a little confused by it. He obviously, we, we talked about last week how he, he values his family's opinion. He values where he plays. You know, hockey is not the end all be all with him, which is refreshing when it comes to players. But I thought I had a little sense that he might chase a Stanley cup because, you know, with all being said, Dallas is not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. They're on the bubble to make the playoffs right now. They're sitting right behind the Vegas Golden Knights for the eighth and final wild card seed in the West. I don't know. What do you make of this signing? Because I still I go either way. I'm like, good for Pavs. You know, he he's doing the right thing by his family. He's, you know, been a hockey player for the better part of two decades. And obviously his wife likes it there. His kids liked it there and they want to stay and they're making a good family decision for the future. But another part of me is like Pavs, like you're still a stud. You can go out and make a huge impact on any team in the NHL. And you could be the guy that could push a team over the top and make them a true Stanley cup contender. But I don't know. What, what do you think? And it's a pretty good number for him. 5.5. Like, I think that's a fair deal for both player and team at this point, but I know. What did you think? I've asked you five times now. I'm going to let you answer. <laughs> um, yeah, it surprised me as well. And like you said, I mean, it's good for him. He's doing the thing for his family. He's sticking with his team. He loves it in mm-hmm. Dallas. He's been very outspoken about that. As a hockey fan, I was a little disappointed just because, you know, one of the bigger, maybe the biggest trade pieces off the market now. And it's always exciting when those guys get traded at or before the deadline. So that was a little bit of a bummer um, in terms of, I mean, like they're, like you said, one point out of the last, wild card spot right behind Vegas who we're going to spend some time on today but they're they could easily squeak in and and you know probably no one's expecting them to do much but no one expected them to do much a couple years ago so maybe he's hoping that they can catch fire at the right time he'll make the playoffs number 17 or whatever in his career I don't know like is his mindset do you think is just is it more just sticking in Dallas stop not wanting to uproot his family more than chasing a cup or you think he it must be right chance. it must be him just kind of getting the input from his family and saying you know what you guys like it here let's stay here because even if you do get traded there's still it's really hard to win the stanley cup so unless you know you're going to like the colorado avalanche or what would be a team out east there's so many good teams out east it's just a crapshoot you could go to Carolina, you could go to Pittsburgh, the Rangers, and you could be bounced in the first round. So there's no sure thing these days where I'm going to go to this team, I'm going to win the Stanley Cup. So I think he saw the market and he saw what's out there. He saw the parody in the NHL with, I, I would say, a good 10 teams right now you could earmark as Stanley Cup champions and people would think you are you got a good point. And I don't know, he's 37. He's been around the block. You know, he he He's listening to his family. So good for him. I maybe would have done something different. You see guys in years past, like even his old Sharks buddies, Joe Thornton, Patty Marlowe, 
they chased the cup. They, they've been bouncing around. They both went to Toronto. Patty Marlow went to Pittsburgh. He went somewhere else, I think. Jumbo's with Florida right now. So those guys are chasing a cup. I think Pabs is taking a different direction. Good for him. And who knows? Maybe Dallas is a bounce back year next year. Obviously, they have something good in Robertson. Hint, I, I butcher the kid's name. Heinz, Heinz Ketchup as well. He's doing a good, good job over there. But um, it is disappointing. And then you look at the trade bait board and the trade deadline's coming up. And if you're a GM, it's like, okay, Pavelski's gone. Ristolainen's gone. There's accounts that Vancouver's not going to trade anybody. They're not going to let go of JT Miller. They're not going to let go of Connor Garland. They're not going to let go of Brock Besser. Everybody's going to stay in Vancouver. Then you look at a San Jose situation where maybe, you know, there's news out of San Jose now that Thomas Hurdle isn't moving. The, the pool of players is slowly dwindling. And if I'm a competitive GM, I'm starting to get a little nervous. If I need a scoring winger, who was out there right now? Who Other than Claude Giroux, the, the amount of impact guys that are available are slowly dwindling, especially if Vancouver doesn't want to move any guys. There's not a lot of guys that are going to make that big of an impact. Vancouver was the team, I think, that teams were expecting just to unload all these guys so they could reload for next year. They have a, a salary cap situation there with all their high-end defensemen making all that money. But if they don't move anybody, it's it's going to be wild at the trade deadline because there's going to be so many suitors and not a lot of bells for the ball, if you know what I mean. So it's going to be interesting. I think Pavs going off the market is a pretty big deal. It really is. He was a big-ticket guy. Good for him. I'm glad he signed, but uh, boy, if I'm a GM, if I'm in Boston, if I'm in New York, if I'm in Tampa Bay and I want to get you know supplementary scoring, I might be clutching my pearl. I might be trying to make some calls right now because things are not going to get any easier when it comes down the stretch. Speaking of not getting any easier, poor Voracek. He, um, the Minnesota Wild have been a dirty team lately, Tim. The Detroit Red Wings game last week, they absolutely just bounced the Red Wings all over the place. It, it was it was the Broad Street Bullies all over again. The Minnesota Wild were just taking liberties with all the Red Wings players. Every scrum they were face washing and just a bet. I don't know if it's a case of they're just frustrated. They haven't been playing good hockey. They started the season really well. They had a good middle of the season stretch. I ranked them as number one in the NHL not one month ago. Fast forward to now and they are just sliding. They lost again last night to Columbus. Or to who, who did they lose to last night? Was it Columbus? I can't remember. But they lost. No, no, Nashville. They lost to Nashville last night. They have been skidding. Marcus Foligno. Get back to Voracek. He had one of the worst knee. In front of the show, Marcus Foligno. Nice guy. Had a reputation in hockey of being a hard-nosed player. Would fight. Very honest. Fought by the code. Didn't really step outside of the bounds like his brother, Nick. Yuck, that guy's so dirty. But Marcus knew how to play. He had a pretty bad knee last night or two nights ago. It was um, last minute of the game. Pulled goalie for Columbus. Voracek coming up the ice. Marcus, for some reason, going at him. Not ever a good play. If you're a defensive player, you should never be skating straight at the player with the puck who's coming at you. You're very vulnerable. You're reacting to how they're going to shift, and you're always going to be a step behind them. And that's exactly what happened. Voracek made a move at the red line. He passed it. He dumped it. I don't know what he did. Marcus reacted. And when you react, you're not in control of your body. It's just a split-second thing. He stuck his knee out. He wanted to get a piece of him, and it was bad. 
it was really bad. And I, 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 I watched it and I watched it and I watched it and I wanted to defend Marcus because he's my friend. I know his family. I know Natasha, his wife. I can't defend it. It was a really bad play. Voracek is done. I don't know how long he's out for. It looked really bad on his. He didn't look good. He went right off the ice. What did you, was it as bad as I, I'm making it out to be? It just looked really bad. Yeah, I actually was watching this game live and the very first, you think you just a massive body check. You're like, whoa, I didn't even see Polino come out of nowhere. It just buried him. And the puck, you know, the puck keeps going. The camera follows it. Then you watch it again. It comes back and shows the replay. It's like, wow, that was one of the worst neon knee hits I've seen in a while. And like you said, it, it's, it's, I'm sure it wasn't intentional. It was a reaction, but he said he put himself in a bad position. Voracek, you know, seeing him kind of squirming around on the ice, he was a lot of pain. That's like, that's hard to see. He ended up coming back. Uh, I don't think he played another shift or anything. This is right before, I think this was at the end of the third period. It went to overtime. Um, he ended up coming back and on the ice, like for the celebration, whatever. So I think uh, hopefully he's okay. Mm-hmm. I think he's avoided any major injury. They're calling it day to day, which is good. Uh, in terms of Felino, this is the second time he, he got a $5,000 fine. People were surprised he wasn't suspended because he was suspended for kneeing less than a month ago or about a month ago, February 10th, which makes him a repeat offender for the same exact offense. So this was probably even more egregious, which is surprising that he didn't get any supplementary discipline for this beyond the fine, no suspension, which I thought was a little bit interesting. Does that? I'm surprised he didn't get a couple games as well. Yeah. And then in terms of, I don't know, Felino has had a big year, right? In the last maybe two years, he stepped up to not just, the greediness that you talked about, his reputation in the league, but he's scoring, he's playing top six minutes on a really good team. Does this, like, does that level of play, in addition to, like, increased suspension, does that go hand in hand? It seems like he's inserting himself more, both from an offensive physicality perspective. He's just, he's much more of a force out there than he's ever been. Does it, does that, those things sort of go hand in hand, where the more you, I don't know, get involved in the game and start scoring, the more you're more likely to make a play like this, too? Or am I just my reaching? There? No, I, I think you're right. I, I think he saw the Tom Wilsons of the world and he wanted to be that type of player. He has the same body type as Tom Wilson. Marcus has really good hands too. Maybe not as good as Tom Wilson, but they're very comparable player. So he saw what Tom Wilson was doing with Washington, having a lot of success. And you'd be stupid not to try to you know, mirror a guy like that. And he's done that. And what comes along with that is more ice time. You're in more pressure pack situations like the end of the game. You don't want to make a mistake or you're, you're relied upon and guys see you as, you know, the energy guy for the team. And Marcus takes pride in that. You know, we talked to him at the beginning of the season in an interview and he said, you know, I know my role. I'm a leader on this team and I want to lead this team. And I think we have a good thing going. And he's, he's genuine when he means that. And with that comes, a risk. And and we're seeing that the last month or so when he's putting himself out there and he's really trying to do everything he can. And, he, you know, sometimes you get suspended. Sometimes you put yourself in a bad situation. Sometimes you do something that you didn't intend to do because you're just trying to do whatever you can to win. And I know that's a cliche, but he's, he's changed his game. He went from a third, fourth line guy who would go out there and just bang bodies for a little bit. Now he's an impactful power forward. He's consistently on the score sheet, whether it's with penalties or hits or fights or goals, assists, like he does everything. He's a jack of all trades now. And yeah, you know, more ice time, more responsibility that, that definitely keys into the fact that he's getting suspended. He's getting fines. He's this and that, you know, it comes with the territory. You see all the top guys who play on the edge like that. 
they get suspended, they get fined, they get in trouble. They're always in the, in the news because when you play on that line, you're going to go over it sometimes. And Marcus has gone over it the last couple of times and you know, he'll figure it out. I think he's smarter than a lot of these other guys. He's got his heads, you know, screwed on pretty straight. His dad did a good job with that, but you know, it happens. And I, and I made fun of his brother. His brother's the same way. I, I like the way his brother played, but again, they're tough players. They play on the edge. They do everything. And sometimes you go over the edge. So it is what it is. The, the, the glaring thing for me in this was there was no penalty on the play. They just let them line up again. And away we go. I was completely blown away by watching the replays. Marcus is sitting there. He's like, I, I think it was a good hit. I'm not getting a penalty because you don't know at the time because he did catch him a little bit with his shoulder. So there was a little body contact. So it wasn't like a, a blatant sticking his knee out in the middle of nowhere. And Voracek did have both of his legs together. So it's not like one knee went flying up in the air like we've seen before. So it, everyone was just kind of just standing around like what? is going on what's happening so i don't what are you going to do it was a bad look on the referee they've had a they've had a rough month as far as no calls go they need to clean up their act for the playoffs because they cannot be the story there's another story going around speaking of knee injuries gabe landeskog colorado avalanche captain one of the best captains in the nhl right now have a knee surgery today no timeline for return there's some uh, rumors going around tim there's some people talking there's some chatter in the hockey verse. This is another LTIR situation. Colorado, no cap room, none whatsoever. Is this the GM's way, Joe Sackick, pulling Gabe Landeskog aside? Because Gabe's been playing, and he's been playing well. He doesn't need to get knee surgery. He's been dealing with this little nagging knee the whole season. It's not like he had a blown knee like Voracek just had with a knee-on-knee hit. This is a surgery maybe he could put off, but what they're saying in Colorado is, you know, we're going to get it done so he can come back for the end of the season. They say that. Do they mean it? I don't think so. I think they're going to get somebody at the trade deadline who's got a big contract. Gabe's going to come back for the start of the playoffs. Their first-round matchup is going to be versus someone like Vegas or Dallas or someone who they know they can beat. Is this them subverting, subverting the system again? The LTIR option, just pulling that card, be like, oh, look at Landeskog. He needs surgery now, his knee injury. You know what? Take the next month off, Gabe. We'll see you in the playoffs. Is this what's happening? You're a Colorado insider. We haven't we haven't used that card in a long time, but I'm using it now. And you know what's going on in Colorado. What are they saying, Tim? What are they saying in Colorado? Yeah, the coach, Jared Bednar, said over the weekend, um, there's no timeline yet, but he's hopeful he'll be back by the end of the regular season. So the timing lines up exactly what you're saying. About end of the regular season, beginning of playoffs, that's about the time that they're hoping for him to get him back, which is setting this up for exactly what you're talking about. They're going to not bring him back in the regular season. They're going to bring him back in the playoffs. They're going to move him to LTIR, and all of a sudden, Gabe Landeskog makes $7 million. That's $7 million of cap relief they get with a click of a button. All they have to do is put them on LTIR. I don't think it's quite like, uh, God, I don't, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist when it comes to this stuff. I would like to think that they're not, this is not why they're doing it, but I certainly think it's, it's, it's a factor. It's on their mind. It's for sure. And now he's not on LTIR yet. He's getting surgery today, but once this happens, you can bet they're going to use, make use of that space and they're going to pick up a pretty big piece of a deadline. And they do have issues. For as much as Colorado has just dominated the West, they have some issues. They need some depth defensive help. They need a little grit 
in their forward groups. They have some talent. They have skill. They have speed. We know this. They need a guy who can go out and kill penalties, be a good third or fourth line guy, just like the Tampa Bay Lightning loaded up when they won the Stanley Cup, when they got Barkley Goodrow, Blake Coleman. They need that type of player to come in and solidify the 3-4 line because if they have a weakness, which I, I don't think it's a huge weakness, that would be it. And they also need a defenseman. Samuel Girard just went on the IR. Bowen Byram is out. He's been out for a long time with a concussion. They need some help. They can't rely on Kale McCarr. They can't rely on Devin Taves. If they rely on those two guys, they're going to be in trouble going into the playoffs right now. Right now, they're four or fives. They're Ryan Murray, Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson, and Curtis McDermott. That's your three, four, five, six. That's not very good. That's not inspiring me to be like, this is a Stanley Cup champion. Samuel Girard has been turning the puck over left and right this year with Colorado. He's having a good season points-wise, but you can't rely on him in the playoffs. Teams seek him out when he's on the ice. They abuse him. They're always in his face. You need to go out and get a solid D-man, a Ben Sherratt, um, somebody like that who's big, who can move the puck, who's reliable. You can just plug them in, play the hard minutes, kill penalties. That's the type of defense that they need. So this is far from over for the Colorado Avalanche. Yes, they're having a great season, but when you have the track record like they do, when you have the massive failures in the playoffs, can you ever be comfortable going into the playoffs saying, oh, you know what? We're killing it. We're first place in the West. We're dominating. Guess what? The West is hot garbage. It's not hard to be first place in the West right now. All the top teams that we thought were going to be there are just tanking. Vegas is terrible. Edmonton is terrible. Minnesota is skidding. St. Louis has had a very inconsistent year. Nashville, who knows where they're at? What other good teams are there? There's Calgary Flames. That's it. And they have just come on the scene lately in the last month or so. So there's no really good teams that Colorado has played consistently in the West to test their litmus. It's all out East. So if I'm the Avalanche and I'm their fans and I'm Joe Sackick, I'm nervous. I don't want to go into the playoffs with this group. I want to add something. I want to be overprepared. I want to go up. I want to make sure I got tons of depth. I got a good backup goaltender. I got lots of good defensemen I can throw out there just in case something happens. Because right now I am not confident with the Avalanche, even though even though they got 89 points, they're 42, 13, and 8. They're dominating. They're the best team in the NHL. I'm still not sold. I still am not sold just yet, and I think they need to make something. And this Gabe Landeskog injury just aligns perfectly. You can put him on LTIR. If he doesn't want to work out, you put Samuel Gerrard on LTIR. That's a lot of money that frees up this team and can go out and get, grab a couple of players to help them in the playoffs. So, I know. It, the Kucherov thing just opened up a whole can of worms. It was like Pandora's box, and now everybody's doing it. And nobody wants to admit it, but it's like, why would you not do this? If you have your captain... It's, it's a minor little knee surgery, probably a scope. It's very not very invasive at all. They go in, clean up. I've had a scope. It's, it's just an easy surgery. He'll be back walking in a couple days. He'll take his time to rehab. He'll be skating with the team and bring it back in the playoffs. It's just it's a no-brainer if you're a GM and you want to kind of grab a player and just you trust your captain and be back and ready. So, especially, like I said, first round is going to be a cakewalk for them. And it's going to be a cakewalk because, Tim, the Vegas Golden Knights all of a sudden are the worst team in the NHL. They're so incredibly bad. Yep. They can't win a game. They have no mojo. They lost again last night. They've lost four in a row. Don't look now. This time, I'd say I'd give them to Friday. They'll be out of the playoffs outside looking in. How had this happened? They went and got Jack Eichel. 
They were supposedly going to just be a juggernaut. I called it. Nobody's healthy anymore. Pacioretty didn't come back. Stone didn't come back. Martinez is out. Who else is out? They have a whole plethora of players that are out. It's just a lot of Yeah. Yeah, they have so many guys are out. What's going on in Vegas? You are also you're an insider in Vegas too, and you know why? Because you love the gamble. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Will the Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup? No. Will they make the playoffs? Probably not. It's unbelievable, and it's not like you're losing to the really good teams. Oh, you know they they went out east and they lost to Carolina and Florida and Tampa Bay and the Rangers, and they just had a really tough East Coast road swing. No. No, they're losing to the Flyers, the Sabres, the Sharks, the Coyotes, the Blue Jackets. All five of those teams are not in the, not in the playoffs right now currently. Not a good look for the Vegas Golden Knights. So what, what's going on? Is it just injuries or is this just Jack Eichel? Maybe he doesn't fit. It's injuries is a big part of it for sure. Robin Leonard went down last week. You had obviously Stellan Pacioretty, McNabb, Martinez. These are like core, core guys for this group. So I, 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 I can run my head around it to some degree. And when they added Eichel... They were looking really good. I found this website that lets you track like standings as of a certain date. So I went back to the time that the day before Eichel made his debut, February 17th. Um, At that point, they were second in their division. Vancouver was in sixth in their division there. I think Vegas was maybe three or four points behind Calgary. Since that time, since Eichel debuted, they're four and eight. They lost to those teams that you mentioned. And Vancouver has won a bunch of games. And now they're like a couple points behind them uh, and one, you know, one spot in the standings behind them. Vancouver, I mean, Vegas could very easily be out. And they lost last night to the Blue Jackets, like you said. The frustrations were very palpable. You could see, you can see these quotes. Chandler Stevenson spoke up about it. Like they are not happy with the effort. They're not happy with the results. It's this seems falling apart in real time. Yeah, Chander Sleveson, his quote was funny. He's like, I'm sick of it. Everybody is sick of it. Everybody needs to dig deeper, grab their nuts, and work. Now, I don't know why you need to grab your nuts. That, that's a, a whole other topic that doesn't make sense to me. But it's very telling. It's very telling. And listen, I don't want to bag on Jack Eichel because I did it last episode. If you're a leader of a team, if you come in and you want to make a good first impression, do you think I, I just don't think Jack Eichel is the player we all thought he was? I, I really don't. I think he's just, the comments he made about Buffalo still irk me. They rub me the wrong way, and I think it says a lot about who he is and the type of player and person that he is. I wouldn't build my team around him. I really wouldn't. And they really went out and they got him. They didn't pay a ton. But they gave up Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs. Tuck was a good player for them when they had their big Stanley Cup run. He was he was a very serviceable third-line guy. I liked him. Krebs is a young player. He's obviously coming into his own with Buffalo. He's scoring nonstop now with him. But Jack Eichel, for whatever reason, he's not playing inspired hockey. Does he bring over that losing atmosphere from Buffalo to the Vegas Golden Knights? And then he's just like infecting everybody with his Debbie Downer syndrome? I don't know. I want Vegas to do good. But at the same time, they're not. They're they're not playing well. They have so many injuries. They only have 21 games to go. I'm going to call it. They're not going to make the playoffs. I think the writing's on the wall. They've been playing uninspired hockey. They're three and seven in their last 10. All their top guys are still out. They have no one coming back that's going to help them. Here's the deal with Vegas. Do you go out and become sellers at the deadline? 
is this a, is this a point where you have to be the GM be like, you know what? It didn't work out with Jack Eichel. We're going to reload for next year. We still have pieces that people would be very valuable to like go out and trade a Riley Smith, go out and trade a Marsha Stowe, a Carlson, get those guys off the books, reset a little bit and start again next year. Maybe Alex Peter Angelo, maybe Shea Theodore. These guys make a lot of money. They're signed for a lot of term and you have to, you have to cut bait at some point. You don't have a goaltender. Lanner has been inconsistent all year. You have all these guys in the injury reserve. You have Martinez and Stone and Pacioretty. Everybody mentioned McNabb, Yanmark, Brett Howden, Ben Hutton. There's a lot of guys who they don't have. At what point when you're the GM, when you're sitting there looking at your team, looking at the teams ahead of you, you're Kelly McCrimmon, you have to cut bait. You have to reload. You have to figure out next year. And I think they do that. I would be excited if they went out and tried to trade William Carlson. Marshall shows a good piece. He's had a decent contract of five million bucks. So I don't know. Vegas is not looking good. They're not going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be a seller at the deadline and not a buyer at this point. Because how can you be a buyer when your team is just absolutely in free fall? It doesn't make sense to me. It would be it's it's a bad move if they go out and try to add pieces. They don't have any money to add them anyway. So it's a very surprising turn of events. It really is. If I'm Kelly McCrimmon, I'm firing up my DoorDash app. I'm punching in my promo code, GlovesDD, GlovesDDUS if you're in Vegas and Kelly McCrimmon is. I'm just going to order a case of beer or a bottle of wine. I'm going to get a greasy burger, and I'm just going to relax. That's what I would do because he's done everything he could. He went out and got the biggest piece of Jack Eichel. He went out and supplemented all this stuff. He got all the good defensemen. and go, like It just hasn't worked. They got to reload. They got to get rid of some of these guys, and you got to use DoorDash when you do it because DoorDash helps you when you're in a bad mood. And that's what you should do too, fans. So go out there, click on your DoorDash link on your phone. I know you got it there. Go to, I don't know, DoorDash.com. Enter our promo code, GlovesDD, if you're in Canada. GlovesDD, if you're in the USA. GlovesDD, US, excuse me. Get 25% off, free delivery. I know, it's just food. I'm hungry. I didn't have breakfast. I'm probably going to get it after we're done with this podcast. All right. Cool story coming out of Vancouver. Speaking of teams chasing Vegas, the reason Vegas is in this spot is because Vancouver is just hounding them. They've been playing great the last month and a half. And the main reason of that is JT Miller. Tell us about the story, Tim. It's a pretty cool little uh, anecdote. Yeah, so, so they're playing against the Washington Capitals, and they were kind of flat, not playing great. After two periods, they were down 2 nothing. And now here's where the story starts. Bruce Boudreau said one of the captains after the game said one of the captains told him not to come into the room but talk to the team after the second period. And he said, quote, I'll take care of this. The next day, Luke Shen's being interviewed by Sportsnet, and he said the player was JT Miller. And Boudreaux said, yeah, that's leadership, right? And so here's the, here's the cool result. Down to nothing entering the third period, they scored three goals in a row in the first five minutes of the third period. I don't know what he said to them. I think Quinn Hughes scored less than a minute into it, and two others scored all in the first five minutes of the third period. So he got them pumped up. And that's the kind of stuff like we – you know, I, I like hearing these stories – it comes up in sports all the time where they, they need a moment and there's a players only type meeting, right? Maybe you've been in those two. Um, and that's where I feel like the leadership show. That's where like this, there's always these cool little moments like this coming up. They ended up losing in overtime capital scored a late goal in the third and, and won in overtime, uh, which is a bummer for the Canucks because they would have loved that extra point. But yeah, really neat story of what JT Miller brings, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well. Yeah, he seems like he's the real deal. He's legit. He shoots from the hip. He doesn't play games. I like JT Miller, friend of the show. So many friends of the show. We have so many friends. But um, yeah, it's cool. And, and it does it does make a difference. When you're a player and you're sitting in that locker room, sometimes when the coach comes in, it's just the same old thing over and over and over again. So 
when a player steps out of his kind of comfort zone and goes to the coach, which is very rare. It doesn't happen that often, but usually a player's only meeting is after a big loss. It's, you know, the next day, it's an off day. It's never during the game between periods when a player will go to a coach that never happens. It's very, very rare. I think in my nine, 10 year career that happened maybe two times. So it's really cool for JT Miller to do this. And I, the players, they, they reacted. They, they obviously, he said something along the lines of, listen, we got to start playing well or we're not going to make the playoffs. We got a good group here. We're going to be broken up at the end of the season. Let's go. So it's cool. I like JT Miller. Vancouver is such a fun team. I hope they make the playoffs. I hope they can sneak in and make some noise because who knows? They can line up with the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. That'd be a good match. I would watch that. It'd be fun to watch. But uh, good for JT Miller. He's a... Again, an underrated guy who should be in more. There should be more conversations about JT Miller. The guy has just had success everywhere he's gone, whether it's the New York Rangers, Tampa Bay Lightning, now with the Vancouver Canucks. He does his job wherever he goes. He's lightning fast. He kills penalties. He's on the power play. He does everything you want a player to do. I don't know. I don't know why he gets traded all the time. Like, why, why would you want to give up a piece like that? You would think a guy like that, you'd want to build your team around. So the fact that he's even mentioned in trade rumors i know we dispelled those last episode but it's just boggles my mind it must be so frustrating jt miller he's like guys i do i I average a point per game i'm the heartbeat of this locker room do you want to do you want me to lead the team or petterson who's an absolute dud who just checks out in the offseason and says i don't know if i'm going to be here in a couple years that stuff boggles my mind when guys like this bounce around the league because he's just such a good dude I don't know. All right. A couple quick hits, Tim, and we'll get out of here. What do we got? Mark Stahl had his 1,000th game uh, over the weekend, which is a cool moment. I feel like was it's happening it cool? every week now. Was but it cool? It's, it's cool because now all three Stahl brothers have played a 1,000 games, which is – that is cool. I don't think that's ever happened before. Um, so, yeah, three, that's a cool three moment. Three brothers to play a 1,000 games? Yeah. I bet you it's happened. I <laughs> know. The Sutter uh, brothers or something? Three of them? I don't know. I don't know. What else is going on? Another quick report. You mentioned this earlier. Friedman said that Hurdle will not be available to try deadline. Now, who knows if that's a little bit of posturing by the GM to increase the asking cost, but with Pavelski off, the Canucks winning, Hurdle repeatedly not available, reportedly. What, the market suddenly got very, very thin, like you said, where two weeks ago we were talking about how Never have we seen this many good players available, at least on the forward side. The defenseman, I don't think, has much has changed other than Jacob Chittering got hurt over the weekend, too. And he's getting some testing done today. So hopefully he's okay. But, yeah, forwards especially. I tell you what, if I'm Doug Wilson, you better get that deal done before the deadline because you don't want to be sitting there with Thomas Hurdle having like a a handshake agreement. Be like, oh, yeah, we'll take care of it in the offseason. And he walks and you don't get anything for him you're going to get fired if that's the case. And you don't, and you don't get this guy locked up. He's 28 years old. He's an absolute stud. I get him locked up. If they can get him for $8 million or less, that's a huge win for the San Jose Sharks because on the open market, Thomas Hurdle is going to get 8.5 to nine. I think he's a really good player. So I don't know what Thomas is thinking. I, if I was him, I would not do this. I would test the open market and see what's out there, but Hey, Maybe he's, you know, he, he loves San Jose again. He's got a wife and kids. Good for him. You always want to see the guys make money. But again, another guy, like you said, off of the market, I'd be sweating. I'd be sweating if I was a GM, like a Boston Bruin GM who wanted some scoring. I don't know, Tim. All right. What else are we talking about? Uh, good week for the Sabres. First, they beat Eichel 
in in Buffalo. I, they beat Eichel in the Golden Knights. And then over the weekend yesterday, they beat um, the Maple Leafs in the Heritage Classic outdoor game, which I don't know if a game's ever been less promoted. I didn't really even know what was going on other than like an Instagram post on Friday night about Sunday's game or something. Um, but good for them. They, they beat and again, exposed the, the Maple Leafs need for goalie. That, that third goal was just yikes from Mrazek. Um, Did you see the Matthews thing with Darlene, that little exchange? You know what? I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about how stupid the players looked walking into the rink. We <laughs> talked about it before the fact, and I know you don't want to bring it up. This is the most ridiculous thing that I've seen lately, and I don't know when it started. The players dressing up to make themselves look like fools and to look like a joke and a sideshow. Why is this a thing? Whose idea was it? And how fast can we stop it? Because it's so incredibly stupid, it bothers me. And, I'm, and I don't think I'm the only one. Why, why is this a thing? Oh, let's all dress up like steel workers because Hamilton produces steel. That'll be fun. Let's all get orange jump shoot, jumpsuits. It's so stupid. The Buffalo Sabres dress up like Flint Tropics. Is this Halloween? Are we all Jackie Moon? What does this have to do with hockey at all? I don't understand it. It's so dumb. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I think it's a distraction, and it's not a good distraction. I think it puts eyes on hockey, and people look at it, and they go, you guys are jokes. You think this is some kind of this – is, this is like for fun. This is hockey. This is your profession. This is your job. You should take it serious. I'm not saying you have to wear a three-piece suit to the game. I don't mind when the guys did the Canadian tuxedos. I guess that was okay. But the, the Hawaiians – it's just when did this become a thing? Why do people feed into it? Why do you want to go out there and make yourself look like a fool? I've dressed like this before when I was in college, dress up and go to a frat party. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 this is great. You know, we're wearing short shorts and a headband and a tight shirt. It's so fun. It's so great. You're in college. You're not on national TV walking in front of fans and kids looking up to you, and you look like a complete fool. You probably think I'm an old curmudgeon. I don't like it. Dress like a professional. You know what I mean? All these basketball guys when they come to the rink and they're doing their fashion show, they look stupid too. Why can't we look normal? Why can't you just dress normal? Wear a suit. I don't get it. What's wrong with just putting on a nice suit, having some respect for yourself and just going to the game. And that that's what I remember from this heritage classic that I didn't even know was happening. The stupid ways the guys dressed up and they thought it was so great. Oh, we're steel workers. Let's make fun of the steel workers. I'm like, you guys give me a break. I'm glad the Leafs lost. I hope they all lose. Sabres, Flint Tropics. I know Mark Pissick. I played with them. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea all around. I, I think they scrap all that s- silly stuff. One day you can do that. Halloween, Tim. That's it. I don't get it. What, do you like it? You probably love it. You're such a cranky, old, grumpy old man. The old man yells at clouds. You just, they're having fun. Who cares? What is it? What's the big deal? It has nothing to do with anything other than like they're just, having fun with it and making, making it a memorable game. And did they look like they were having fun when they walked in? Did, yeah. did any of the players look like they were having fun? <laughs> what do you think? Someone forced it on them? Like, of course they were having fun. They look like they were miserable and they didn't want to be there. And the Flint Tropic things is just dumb. It's, it's so dumb. All right. I hope Matthews gets suspended for cross-checking um, Darlene. It was a blatant check 
cross check to the ear and neck area. He should get a couple games, but seeing how the league's going nowadays, he's probably going to get a five thousand dollars suspension. So anyway, it was a dirty cross check, absolutely oh, yeah. dirty cross check. It was it was uncalled for. The, the Leafs, they're unraveling. Every Canadian team is just unraveling except for Calgary. That's that's my Canadian team now. I'm going for Calgary. Being an Edmonton boy, that's hard. I want the Edmonton Oilers to win a little bit. But I'm going for Calgary. I like myself some Johnny Hockey. Good for him. All right, what else? One more quick one, then I got to go, Tim. Yeah, one more quick one. Jumbo Joe and the Florida Panthers are returning to San Jose tomorrow night. What can we expect? What, I mean, I'm sure a video tribute. Can you walk us through like what this will be like for, for Joe, for the team, for the fans? Like, Will it be a big deal or will it just be just a quick tribute and on you go? It better be a 25 minute long video tribute based on what's been going on. Like there's been so many video tributes. He should get a whole period where it's just him, a montage of jumbo. Cause he pretty much put San Jose on the map. He was the guy when he got traded there from Boston, it changed the outlook of San Jose. They went from an expansion team. That was kind of fun, whatever. And then you go out and you get a Joe Thornton and it changes how people look at your franchise. And it all of a sudden put them into a conversation of, well, these guys are legit. We have to take them seriously. They got Joe Thornton, who was an absolute stud MVP candidate, and he solidified San Jose's just imprint on the NHL. So he was a big reason why San Jose is what the San Jose Sharks right now. Like he, he is San Jose. He should have his number raised to the rafters. He should get a rousing ovation every time he touches the puck. The fans should bow and kiss his feet because he did so much for San Jose. He didn't have to stay there every single year when he stayed there. He signed team-friendly deals the whole time he was there, and he just made that town a hockey town. So, I don't know. I, I hope they give him a tribute. So, traveling tonight, uh, where does he have dinner tonight? Oh, he's probably going to have a private dinner somewhere in Los Gatos, his old stomping grounds. He's probably got a, a, a swanky dinner with the boys planned. But, yeah. He'll he'll do something. Jumbo is one of those guys. He he spares no expense. So I guarantee you he's got a dinner lined up for all the players. What I want to see is the money on the board. It's going to be insane how much money he puts on the board. It wouldn't surprise me before the game he goes and throws 10 grand on the board. That that is the the watermark, I think, for Jumbo. It's either 10 grand or it'll be five grand in a team dinner. So it's going to be a big, big, big game for Florida. I hope he oh, if he scores, it'd be unbelievable. So good for Jumbo. The guy's still kicking around. I hope they win the cup. Florida, that'd be a good thing. That would be a Ray Bork type situation if Jumbo could get the cup with his beard. It's all gray. He'd lose his mind. It'd be so, so fun to watch that. All right, Tim, points bet. Let's do it. Yeah, there's only one game tonight. It's a terrible one. Coyotes against uh, Ottawa. So let's go to tomorrow. Tomorrow's game. Sharks versus uh, Panthers. Who do you like in that? Motion's running high. Well, Sharks, Panthers, I got to go Panthers. You got to go with the jumbo. He's going to go out. They're going to want to win. Well, same thing about Jack Eichel. I thought they'd want to win for him, but they didn't. But yeah, let's take jumbo. Let's go with the Panthers. That's a late start, Tim, 1030. All right. That's that's my pick. That'll do. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Sorry about my throat. I'm a little under the weather this morning. We'll get back at it this Wednesday. Hope everybody had a good weekend and have a good week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.